TII item 209, January 27th, 2012. 62 million iOS devices in a quarter. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Valerie sending in the music you hear in the background. Valerie wrote, Hi, Rob. Have GarageBand on my iPhone 4S. I've had it for a couple weeks and love it. Here's a folksy song I made. Regards, Valerie. Thanks, Valerie, for the music. And folks, I will try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Ben for sending in the artwork for today's show. Ben wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this on my iPod Touch. I used the apps DoodleBuddy and MyFont to make this. MyFont is a very fun and useful app because you can make your own font and put it on pictures. You can also email the font as a TTF file and put it on your Mac or PC. Regards, Ben. Well, Ben, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Ben's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 209. Or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section. And I will try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Research Emotion's new tablet is surprisingly mature for a new product, and one that will clearly be embraced by both consumers and corporate users alike." Unquote. Jack Capacia, Digital Journal, 15th of April, 2011. I'm guessing a you-don't-know-Jack reference here would be just a little too obvious. About the only one embracing a playbook would be someone trapped in the Arctic and looking to embrace it for the heat he gives off. Beyond that, yeah, not so much. Just saying. This week, we have promo codes for the app Clue Loops. First, let's play the review from the dev. Hey there, Rob. My name is Chester Hawkins, and I'm co-developer along with Ashley Hunter of a new app called Clue Loops. Clue Loops is very similar to Sudoku. You have to fill in all the rows and columns of a grid so that no row or column contains the same number twice. But Clue Loops also has sub-regions that come in various jigsaw shapes that must also be filled in with no repeated numbers. Some cells are contained within what we call the clue loops. These loops have a small number in the corner that show you what the sum of the value of those cells should be. We hope all the TII listeners will check it out and enjoy it. There's a free version with only a handful of puzzles and the full version comes with 75 puzzles and some more features. Again, that's clue loops, C-L-U-E-L-O-O-P-S. Love the show, Rob, and take care. Thanks, Chester, for sending those promo codes in for the app Clue Loops. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Clue Loops in the subject line. I'll be giving away these sometime next week. As always, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There's never a charge for you, the dev. We just need five promo codes or more to give away. 
simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app, indicating up front you are the dev. Hi, Rob. This is Ray Norris from Richmond, Virginia. I'm calling in today concerning a tip sent in by Dave on last week's show, episode 208. I've been having some major issues with my iTunes and my PC for quite a while. I'd get some message or other telling me I couldn't back up or sync. And at times when it would sync, it would go through it and then freeze up or often give me a message at the end saying it had not been able to sync my device. You know, at first I thought it might have been because my iPod Touch is a 64 gigabyte and nearly full. But then I'd have the same problem when I tried tried it, you know, with my 3GS or my iPad 2. And there were other problems I had. I ended up having to reboot my computer constantly, but it only helped, you know, once in a while for a short period. The point to all this is to let all of your listeners know that Dave's tip actually fixed iTunes on my computer. I followed his instructions exactly and then rebooted the computer and opened iTunes back up. And it ran fine and has since then. I don't have any of those problems that I just mentioned. I really want to send mega thanks to Dave and to you for having this great podcast, man. I mean, you know, we find out so much stuff listening to this podcast of yours. The app you've got is great, too. There's so many extras in there for us. Um, but anyway, just wanted to let you and your listeners know that Dave's tip really does work if anybody's got the same problem. Take care, Rob, and keep up the good work. Ray, thanks for the feedback on that. And had a couple other people write in saying it helped them as well. And I'm just going to redo the tip since it seems to have helped quite a few people. These are for Windows users. And Dave's tip was that if your device takes hours to back up or and sync, and if it gets hung up during the backup and sync, one, quit iTunes. Two, start an elevated command prompt, start menu, all programs, accessories, right-click, command prompt, and then run as administrator. Three, once in the command prompt, type net sh space winsock space reset. So that's N-E-T-S-H space win, W-I-N-S-O-C-K space R-E-S-E-T. And then hit enter. Four, reboot your machine. Five, restart iTunes. Thanks and credit again go out to Dave in Dalton, Mass. As you may have heard, Apple had a little conference call this past Tuesday. And best way to explain what Apple said was, well, they basically killed it. Smoked it, knocked it out of the ballpark, or any other type of similar phrase you want to use there. It was their best quarter ever, which is saying quite a lot. Actually, it was the best quarter ever by any tech company ever. For those of you that did not read my quick post on this, here is a summary of the call. Quarterly revenue for Apple was $46.3 billion, up from $26.74 billion in the year-ago quarter. Total cash on hand is now $97.6 billion, up $16 billion from the end of last quarter. That $16 billion in cash that was added is more cash than all but a handful of companies in the world have. The $97.6 billion is clearly more than any other company has. That is important as it puts Apple in a position to make major pre-purchases of components and also to help set up production lines. These are things that their competitors, for the most part, can't or will not be able to do. Some might even call that kind of a competitive advantage. Even if the 97 six-point billion number seems crazy, just realize this. When you have that much, spending a billion here or a billion there to set up a new production line to give you an advantage over your competitors doesn't seem that onerous. Per last quarter sales, 
the iPhone sold 37.04 million units. That's up from 16.24 million in the year-ago quarter. And that blew away every analyst's and my numbers, too. Uh, one analyst had 35 million guests. That was the closest to the 37, and that was the one we mentioned on the show in the past. Uh, most were in the 29 to 30 million range. Yes, 37 million is more than 29 million. A lot more. iPad sold 15.4 million. That's up from 7.33 million in the year ago quarter. That is a tad lower than I expected. I figured in the 16, 17 million range, but still better than most analysts that were in the 12 to 14 million range. For iPod touches, for some reason, Apple doesn't want to give this number out. Not directly, not at first. But then they said later in the call that there was 15.4 million iPods sold overall with the iPod Touch more than 50%. And then later in the call, Apple said there were 62 million iOS devices sold last quarter. Obviously, Apple thinks no one can do simple math or knows how to open up the calculator app on the iPhone. So if you take 37.4 million iPhones plus 15.4 million iPads, that leaves 9.56 million iPod Touches unaccounted for out of the 62 million iOS devices which is pretty much where the iPod Touch was last year. When Apple sold, I think at that time, 19 million iPods and said the iPod Touch was about 50%. So year over year, for the iPod Touch just to hold par, not bad. Some other miscellaneous notes from the call. There are now over 315 million iOS devices that have ever been sold. There are 90 countries that now have the iPhone 4S, at least at the end of the last quarter. Pretty much all Fortune 500 companies have deployed or are testing the iPhone and iPad. No more percents are given. Essentially, if your Fortune 500 company is not supporting the iPhone or iPad, chances are the company's name is either RIM, Dell, or Microsoft. With iCloud, there are now over 85 million customers. There are over 550,000 apps in the App Store. There's 150,000 apps that are just for the iPad. And numbers that matter the most to devs is that by the end of this month, app devs will have earned over $4 billion. That is $4 billion with a B. Congrats to all the app devs sharing in those riches, or about to. To me, the most significant number out of that whole string was the 62 million iOS devices sold in the quarter. You have to understand, 62 million iOS devices is more than the 50 million Android devices that were being activated, if you go by the 550,000 per day number that um, Google has mentioned in the past, the recent past. So if Google Android is doing 550,000 a day, and they're at 50 million a quarter, and Apple is doing 62 million iOS devices in a quarter, how exactly is Android beating iOS? As has been the case the last few quarterly reports, the wonderful and talented and all-around great guy Philip DeWitt from Fortune puts together a list comparing how the professional analysts did on their predictions versus the amateurs. And once again, the professionals proved you don't always get what you pay for, as their predictions are best described as wild bleep guesses. And the amateurs cleaned house. Philip gives a tip of the hat to the following, quote, Simcoe's Horace Didio and Stern AG's Shaw Wu, who nailed the Mac number. Didio is also number one when all the categories are averaged together. Gabriel DuBose of Apple Independent Analysts, who came 
in the closest on both iPhones and gross margin. Piper Jaffrey's Gene Munster, who had the best iPod numbers. And Greg Thurman, also of Apple Independent Analysts, who missed narrowly on the iPads, unquote. He also takes Katie Huberty from Morgan Stanley back behind the woodshed, saying, quote, once again, Morgan Stanley's Katie, Katie Huberty, for analysts who write such smart Apple reports, she publishes some pretty dumb numbers, unquote. And really, looking at her performance, it's amazing she can be so, so wrong quarter after quarter and still have a job. Just saying. There are a lot of different reports coming out about iPad and tablet sales, and one of my favorite ones has to do with traffic for the tablets, and it comes from Chiquita. And they did a graph, and the title of the graph is Average Tablet Impressions Per 100 iPad Impressions. So yes, they're comparing the Kindle Fire, the Playbook, the Zoom, and the Galaxy tablets to the iPad for every 100 impressions a website gets from an iPad. The Kindle Fire will get two point, a little less than two and a half. There'll be a little less than two impressions per 100 for the playbook, around one and a half impressions for the Zoom, and a little over one and a half impressions for the Galaxy. So yeah, it's a 50 to one ratio from the iPad to the playbook on that. I just love that they average tablet impressions per 100 iPad impressions. So iPad impressions are now kind of a unit of measurement. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Amazon, RIM, Motorola, and Samsung aren't going to be using that graph in any of their marketing slides anytime soon. And speaking of the Motorola Zoom, and it seems to be one of the only ones doing that, because really most people are not talking about the Motorola Zoom, at least according to Moto's numbers for the last quarter, where they shipped, not sold, but shipped just a scant 0.2 million Zooms compared to Apple's 15.4 million iPads that were sold, not shipped, but sold. For those quick with numbers, yes, that is an over 77 to 1 ratio of iPads sold to Zooms shipped. If it was sold versus sold, sure the ratio would have been over 100 to 1. Ouch. This reminds me of the latest reports making the rounds by analysts comparing tablet shipments for the last quarter and saying Apple dropped down to 58%, 57% of the tablet market. Two big issues with this. One, as I've said before, don't talk about chip numbers. Tell us about sold to end user numbers, which you only really get from Apple. Sadly, none of the Android manufacturers are willing to pony up and say what they really are selling. The second big issue is let's look at revenue. Most of those Android tablets, tablets which are making up now what they say 39% of tablet shipments last quarter, and again, shipments, well, they mostly had a much, much lower average sale price, ASP, down around less than half of Apple's ASPs. Actually, it's not a far stretch to say Apple's revenue from tablets was at least 80% of the tablet market last quarter and closer to 90% of all the tablets sold last quarter. So if we were to look at tablets sold last quarter, I can see Apple getting close to that 90% of revenue 
for the quarter. Just remember that when you see any blog posts or any articles out there talking about Apple's market share dropping on the tablet side. AT&T this past week also had their quarterly call uh, on that. They mentioned that there were 9.4 million smartphone sales. And of that 9.4 million smartphone sales last quarter, 7.6 million were iPhones. And Verizon had their numbers, and they had 7.7 million smartphones that were sold last quarter, of which 4.3 million were iPhones. More than half for Verizon and 80% for AT&T. Interestingly, AT&T 7.6 million iPhones out of 37 million is about 20% of all the iPhones sold worldwide. Hi, Rob. I'm sitting on my couch this morning, and I get a text message from out of nowhere, uh, AT&T telling me that I'm in the top 5%. I checked my data usage. I'm at about two and a half gigs halfway through the billing cycle. I'm just kind of wondering with all the complaints and everybody getting all these text messages, are there any lawyers in your audience that have started a class action lawsuit? Anybody thought, hey, I can make a mint, you know, starting up a class action lawsuit. If so, where do I sign up? Is there anybody out there who can uh, kind of guide us along and uh, get this resolved with AT&T? Give your audience some notice. Let us know. See if we can find out. Thanks. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I don't think anyone else has raised this issue. I've had with the iPhones, uh, 3G, 3GS, 4, and 4S. The issue shows itself when you are on a call in an edge area. Then during the call, you move to a known 3G area. The iPhone will never hook up to 3G until you hang up the phone call. What gives? Is this an Apple or cell phone chip maker issue or can one of them fix this? Just my two cents on an issue that has not been talked about. Regards, Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hi, Thomas. This is what we call normal behavior. When on a 2G connection and an active phone call, the iPhone and other phones that are 2G, 3G, typically do not hand off to the 3G network while the call is active. It will stay on 2G until the call ends. Same usually is true if you have a data stream active as well. My research on this shows this to be the case not just with the iPhone, but again with any 2G, 3G type smartphone. Back into the email bag. Hi Rob, I want to share something that happened to me today. I was using my iPhone 4 with unlimited data plan when all of a sudden, Bam, I got the evil text message from AT&T. Your data use this month places you in the top 5% of users, unquote. I called BS on this and quickly checked my data usage. I had to reset my data just days before I paid my bill, which I do every month, and noticed that I had sent 109 meg of data and received 1.6 gig of data. I think AT&T just wants to get rid of all unlimited users. Regards, Martin in Parlier, California. Hi, Martin. You said, quote, I think AT&T just wants to get rid of all unlimited users, unquote. You, my dear friend, have a gift for understatement. Of course they do. Well, and I mean, get us off the unlimited plans. They probably want to keep us, but just not as unlimited users. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I've got a question for you or the listeners. I have an iPhone 4S and an Apple TV, and I just got the MacBook Pro. And when I use my Apple remote, the little one that comes with the Apple TV, it turns the volume up and down on my MacBook and maneuvers the mouse around 
and other things. Just wondering if you or anyone else has had this happen or have heard of this. And if so, do you know how to fix it? Regards, Jacob from Indiana. Hello, Jacob the Hoosier. Yes, this is a known issue with the Apple TV remote causing actions on your MacBook. The way to fix this is to block the Apple TV remote from your MacBook. To do that, on your MacBook, go to the Apple menu and select System Preferences. Click Security in the System Preference window. Then click the checkbox for Disable Remote Control Infrared Receiver. That's it. I had the same issue as well. I want to take a moment now to talk about today's sponsor, and that is Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations and transfers. I saw a post on Boing Boing yesterday by the great Cory Doctorow. He was talking about getting your domains off GoDaddy because of their various issues, overt sexism in their ads, and past support for SOPA being two of the key reasons, but not the only ones listed. And Corey mentioned a few places to transfer to, with Hover being the top of the list and the one he uses. As mentioned before, Hover has never supported SOPA, and I can't tell you why anyone in the hosting biz would, but support for or against SOPA should not be the only reason for transferring to Hover. How about going to a domain registrar that actually respects their customers, and one that has a drop-dead simple UI with no annoying upsells? Now, those are two really good reasons to use Hover and why I have my domains at Hover. If you want to transfer your domains, Hover makes it so, so easy. If you go to tii.hover.com and look for the 1866 number, give them a call and mention the promo code TII, you'll get 10% off your transfers and they will handle the whole process for you. So simple. Hover also said, quote, a common question we receive is, what happens to my existing years of domain registration? Well, an extra year of domain registration is added to the existing term once the transfer is completed, and that's what you pay for that extra year. You won't lose the time that you paid for with your old provider, unquote. Again, to save 10% on your domain name registrations, including transfers, Go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, or use TII as a promo code. Isn't it time you liked registering domain names again? Thanks, Hover, for supporting this show. Okay, back into the news with quote around news. There's a new topic going around the blogosphere. It is something you may have heard of, and it's called iPad shoulder. There was some research done on using a tablet and the stress and strain it puts on the human anatomy. And these researchers from Harvard came up with, quote, iPad shoulder, unquote. Or at least that's how it's being coined by the press. So Rob, you say, just how big was this study? After all, there are now over 55 million iPads out there. Good question, I would say. And then what if I told you they studied 15 users? You might be inclined to say, 15% of users? Wow. And then I would say, no. 15. Oh, you would say. 15,000 users, you say. That is still a pretty impressive number. No, I would say. 15, as in 5 plus 5 plus 5. That's 15. 1 and a 5, followed by a decimal point and a bunch of zeros. Like in less people than die from being hit on the head by falling coconuts each year. And that is a 1 
and a 5, i.e. 15. Okay, I realize that death by coconut stat is kind of total BS. But then again, when in Rome, or put another way, this study is kind of pure link bait BS. Let's talk about this when they look at hundreds of users in real-world cases and then compare the reduction in carpal tunnel from not needing a mouse and or any other benefits from using a tablet or, in this case, an iPad. And if it seems that I'm kind of poo-pooing or belittling this report, well, good. That's kind of what I was going for. I love the title of this next article, iPhone app launched to reduce teenage pregnancy in Kent, UK. And here all along, I thought the DC comic book app came from the US. (laughs) Oh, snap. Yes, I did. Actually, it was that or saying, I did not know the IEEE had an app or, wow, who would have thought the Glee fan club app could be so useful? There, that should have offended a few different groups. Don't want to single out just one group of nerds or geeks or Glees, as the case may be. Oh, and if you seriously are interested in this article, the link is in the show notes per the aforementioned title for episode 209 over today on iOS.com. I am sure it is just an app that shows all kinds of nasty pictures of VD and talks about taking care of babies and other things like that, which can scare a teen to, you know, keep it zipped up. Yeah, when you really look back at history, about the only thing that's ever really worked when it's come to teen pregnancy was building a really, really tall tower and putting the girl at the top. But even then, the little tramp grew her hair so long that the horny teenager prince could come along and climb up there and fornicate with her. Just saying. As always, email any complaints to todayinios at gmail.com. I'm not one that likes rumors, but I do like, almost love reports on new components, being that I'm from the component industry, and especially ones that can work their way into future iPhones. The latest such report is about a new camera sensor module from Sony, who is the current supplier of camera modules for the 4S. This new module is thinner, but more important, It is better in low light and also better when doing video and adjusting to background light. It is a RGBW sensor with the W being white, obviously RGB being red, green, blue, which they say helps, the the white part of it helps with the low light photos. They will be available in 8 to 13 megapixel flavors. So start the 10 to 13 megapixel rumors for the iPhone 6 in 3, 2, one. Uh, anyway, the version with the features for low light and backlight, uh, they call the uh, HDR movie, uh, that will begin shipping in the June timeframe. So that lines up pretty well with the fall iPhone 6 launch. And given all the people still calling the 2012 iPhone the iPhone 5, I think I might just call it the iPhone 6 from now on. In any case, Anyone that missed the quarterly report, Apple sold 37 million iPhones last quarter. Most of those were the iPhone 4S. There is no iPhone 5 by name. Uh, As I said before, the iPhone 4S is, quote, the iPhone 5, unquote. And anyone calling the next iPhone the iPhone 5 needs to go back and relook at the numbers from last quarter. End users thought it was a pretty good update. And again, this isn't a rumor about these camera modules. This is just speculation. But at least what I saw, this makes a lot of sense getting into the iPhone 6. 
Hey Rob, this is Dave Barton in Rancho Mirage, California. You asked what scanner app people are using to read QR codes. I'm using Red Laser, and it's fast and accurate. Thanks so much. Back into the email bag. Hi Rob, I want to tell you about an app that I don't hear very much about and that I consider to be a true gem and incredibly productive. It is called Lazy Text. This is one of those amazing apps that you didn't think you really needed until you try it out. The premise is simple. It allows you to send text from your computer to your iPhone or iPad and vice versa, rather than having to email long strings of text to yourself to use on your iOS device or PC. I use it all the time when I have a long string of text that I want to transfer to my, from, to my iOS device or vice versa. Basically, it allows you to cut and paste between your PC and iOS device the app does require that both the PC and the iOS device are on the same network, so this is a limitation to the app, although I still highly recommend it to your listeners. Regards, Quintus. Thanks, Quintus, for the heads up on Lazy Text. And Lazy Text is one word. Hi, Rob. It's Kevin Crossman from the That's What She Said podcast regarding the question about QR codes. I happen to think the QR codes are an abomination, but on those rare occasions when I do need to read a QR code, I use the app Red Laser Classic. It's free, which means it's worth about as much as you pay for it, but it does get the job done when you have to use a QR code. That's it. Bye. Kevin and Dave, previously, thanks for your mentions of Red Laser as a QR code reader or scanner. Folks, if you have any other apps out there that you use to scan QR codes, please let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send us an email at todayinios at gmail.com. And again, that can be for any app that you like, um, not just for ones for scanning QR codes. I'm not sure where we were on the on-again, off-again rumors of iPad production starting up in Brazil. But guess what? We are now back to or reinforcing the it's on again part of the story. Seems the tax breaks Foxconn was looking for were just approved, which seems right in time to start getting things in place for the iPad 3 launch in June. Yep, that is what I think it will be. And I'm sticking with that story or that thought until, well, at least Apple announces something different. Remember the Jawbone Up? It is something Jawbone will not soon forget. One of the things about it that did not get me excited was the lack of Bluetooth connectivity. I did not want to have to physically plug it in to get the data. I want real-time Bluetooth connections. That, to me, would be a great fitness band. And guess what? The boys from Beaverton, they were thinking the same way. Nike just announced the Nike Plus Fuel Band. The band tracks time, calories, steps, and more, and you can set goals and have 20 little LED lights light up. Uh, the LEDs, they light up as you get closer to your goal. Uh, it'll set you back a cool 150 bucks. Uh, and of course, there is an app for that that will allow you to sync up with your iOS device. If anyone has gotten theirs yet, uh, went on sale on the 19th of the month, please call in with a review. I'm trying to get one myself. Mike Butcher from TechCrunch UK, who I've talked with in the past, and he hosted a podcast over at Libsyn, um, and I have great respect um, for the article says he's written. He has written an article about an app, a service called Evi, E-V-I, which sounds great, 
the service when he describes it. Uh, it is a competitor to Siri, well, at least when it comes to giving answers to trivia questions. Evie is supposed to excel in this area. According to Mike, ask it the question, who was the president when Queen Elizabeth II was born, and it will give you the answer. According to the article, Siri will not. Actually, I just did this, and Siri did return me and the answer to me of Calvin Coolidge. Not sure if that's right or not, but Siri says it is. That said, the app for Evie is 99 cents, and their views, they're not very good. I know some others recently complained about Siri and not being able to get good results for trivia questions, and actually, it may be worse today than when it initially launched. So uh, we can only hope Siri turns the corner and gets better uh, when it gets out of beta. In the meantime, if you are looking for an app that will take spoken word questions and give answers, Evie is one option, but it this point, even at 99 cents, I am a little leery of it based on the reviews. I mean, the only reason I even did this segment is because Mike is pretty good in his articles. So if anyone else has tried out this app, let me know your experiences. We'd love to get some feedback from listeners who have tried out Evie. Again, that's E-V-I. Hello, Rob. This is Steve from the Chicagoland area again. Wanted to let you know about the jailbreak. I did it Friday when it was released. I used the Absinthe program that came out through Green Poison. Did not have any problems with the jailbreak at all, Rob. Nice thing about this particular jailbreak, you don't have to go into DFU mode, which is pretty good. Didn't have a problem at all. I was able to reload on my jailbroken apps. I have my PDA net back on and a few other apps that I really enjoy. And it was plain and simple and clean. Anyway, Rob, have a good one. Talk to you later. Hi, Rob. This is a lot of you. I wanted to say that I just um, jailbroke both the iPhone 4S and my iPad 2 using the latest Redmond Pi tutorial, and it worked uh, great for me. So um, great show. Keep it up, uh, and thank you. Bye-bye. Into the email bag I go. Hi, Rob. Did the Windows jailbreak on my 4S? Apple factory unlocked. All went smooth. Installed SBS settings first. Gives you activator, etc. automatically. Added Action Menu Plus. Dreamboard instead of Winterboard, Web Scrollion, Pull to Dismiss, Shrink, Iconoclasm, Folder Enhancer. All is good. Take care, Chris. Hi, Rob. Just completed the jailbreak for Green Poison, and it was easy and worked very well. Regards, Tom. Hi, Rob. The new jailbreak for iPhone 4S, iOS 5.01 or 0.1 worked great for me. The native FaceTime over 3G hack still works too. The files just changed to n94ap.plist from n90ap.plist. Regards, Alfred. And thanks to all the others that sent in emails and voicemail messages about their feedback with their jailbreak experience for their 4S and their iPad 2. I think other than one, maybe two people all of the experience seems to be very positive. I did put up my tutorial now, so if you go over to todayaniphone.com, you'll see the tutorial over there for jailbreaking for the 4S and the iPad 2. It is a really easy, simple jailbreak. So simple, in fact. The uh, dev team reported that almost 1 million people jailbroke an iPhone 4S or iPad 2 last weekend. So in three days, 952,000 jailbreaks. That is not what convinced me, though, that it was a really easy jailbreak. Nope. 
What it was, was when I got a call from Gary Leland, a.k.a. P. Dilly from Podcast Pickle, and my co-host on Today in Podcasting. And he told me he did the jailbreak himself. That was when I knew it was an easy jailbreak. That said, like I, I mentioned, I did put up a tutorial Wednesday night on the jailbreak using Green Poison for the 4S and the iPad 2. As one listener wrote, you may want to do this jailbreak quickly as when iOS is updated to 5.1, you'll not be able to use it and not be able to restore um, should something go wrong in the jailbreak process, which a couple people said did, and once they did restore, they were able to go ahead and get it done uh, after the restore. Uh, why don't I just read the quote from the one listener? And he said, Once 5.1 drops, Apple will quickly stop signing 5.0.1, and there is currently, and there may never be, a way to restore back to 5.0.1 on an A5 device. So, an A5 jailbreaker's best option is to jailbreak now, while Apple is still signing 5.0.1. That way, if anything does go wrong, you can simply restore and try again. Unquote. Thanks, Paul, for that advice. Please read over the tutorial I put up and read it twice and follow the instructions exactly, especially step zero, when getting your iOS device prepped and ready for the jailbreak. And by the way, yes, that advice does include force quitting any apps you have open, restarting the machine. Actually, I, I say to reboot your iOS device using a reset of network settings and making sure iTunes is completely quit out of your computer. And finally, making sure your iOS device is plugged in to the USB port on your computer directly, not through a USB hub, not through a keyboard um, that's then connected to the computer, not through a monitor that's connected to the computer, but directly to the computer. From your iOS device to the computer, nothing in between. That really... I know in the past that's really been an issue when people try to do stuff through hubs, so make sure you get a direct connection. Hey, Rob. Love the show. Um, I just want to let you know, I, I know you mentioned you about iCade a lot, and you had uh, said I think that you picked one up. Um, I saw yesterday on iPhone download blog that they have a uh, jailbreak for the iCade that will allow a lot of the games that aren't set up for the iCade to run on the iCade, and you can set the buttons up to, I guess, whatever configuration you would like. It was under, um, like, their top 10 jailbreak tweaks for the 23rd or the 22nd. I can't remember. There was, like, a five- or eight-minute video about it, and it was one of the top 10 tweaks that they had on there. If it's something you're interested in, hop over to IDB. I think it's IDB.com, I believe, um, or just Google iPhone download blog, and um, check under it, and Jeff does a pretty good uh, show of it there, and he actually has an iCade in there where he's showing you using Street Fighter, which I'm assuming isn't an iCade game, but he was playing it on there and the graphics looked amazing. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for the heads up on that. And folks, the name of the app is Blue Troll, B-L-U-T-R-O-L. So if you search in City of B-L-U-T-R-O-L, you can find it there. The app is a pay-for app and it's $6.99. Read through the instructions on how you have to set it up. They have a little tutorial there before you buy it so you can get a feel for everything that's involved. It's not the simplest process in the world. That said, at $6.99, that's not a bad price if you spent $100 or even $50 on your iCade and now want to use it with all the apps you have. Hello, Rob. This is Steve from Houston. I'd like to pass on a quick jailbreak tip. When I'm Googling in mobile Safari, a lot of times come across a Wikipedia article that looks interesting. But I don't really don't like using 
Mobile Safari to view Wikipedia articles. I prefer to use an App Store app called Articles. And I thought this got to be a quicker way than just exiting and then launching articles and then redoing my search. So I did a search on Cydia, and sure enough, there's an app called, well, a tweet called Open in Articles. And basically what you do after you install it is when you go to Mobile Safari and you bring up a Wikipedia article, you tap the plus sign or the center icon on the bottom of the toolbar. And when you do that, when you, in, in, a, in a Wikipedia article, it has a new option called Open in Articles. And so basically it just then launches articles at the same Wikipedia page you was in Mobile Safari. So that's a quick way to move back and forth between Safari to articles. I didn't find any other tweaks for other Wikipedia apps like Wikipanion and some of the others. Just articles. But maybe there'll be some in the future. Well, thanks. Enjoy your show. Have a great day. Bye. Hi, Rob. This is Steve from Chicagoland area. I have a couple reviews for you. First one is called Calltail. It is a city of jailbroken app for $1.99. And you can use this in conjunction with Ceres. What it does, it will notify you or let you know who's calling you from a phone, from your iPhone. It also will read to you any messages, text messages or email messages you get, letting you know um, when the message is from and what the content of the message is. And also with third-party uh, apps, it will let you know about notifications. So this is a pretty neat little app. It's $1.99. Again, it's from the City App Store, and it's, it is called Calltail. Uh, the other app I want to let you know, Rob, is an app from Griffin Tap Technologies. And actually, it's a product, not an app. Well, there's an app also with it. But it's from Griffin Technologies. And it is called The Beacon. And what it is, is a universal remote control system. It has an app that you can get in the App Store called uh, from a company called DIJIT. That's what it's powered by. And this particular app allows you to work, uh, use with the iPhone or use with the iPad. will give you a list of remote controls. I think it's like 3,200 remotes, different devices, receivers, uh, Apple TVs, DVRs, televisions. And this is pretty neat. The Beacon is $69. And you can go in and automatically find any remote to any of your devices. And if you can't, you can create a remote control just by teaching it the various commands you want and create your own remote and you also can massage existing remotes Rob to give you an example on my Apple TV I want to put on their TV button so I can automatically cut the TV on and go right to the Apple TV I can do that and I also can add a uh, volume up and down if I want to that remote and so you can massage existing remotes to your liking this is pretty cool again it's called the beacon the app is, uh, again, Digit, I think it's called, D-I-J-I-T. You can find that in the App Store. The beacon costs $69, and again, it's from Griffin's Technology. This next article is for those of you that have an iPhone 3G. There is a jailbreak app software system. I'm not exactly 100% sure how to explain this one. It's called White Door, D-0-0-R, so White D-0-0-R. Are. And what this is, is a replacement OS for your iPhone 3G. So if you've updated your iPhone 3G to the latest iOS and it's kind of lagging and not, it's sputtering along and you want to try to get your iPhone 3G back up and be spiffy, 
you might want to try out white door with zeros in there instead of O's. And I'll have a link to the show notes for this one. It's best for you to read the article. Look for the article titled Resurrecting Your iPhone 3G. And you can find that at todayonios.com for episode 209. Your podcast saved me over $1,500. Hey, Rob, this is Joe from Orlando, Florida, calling with a quick review of an app that was featured on episode 170 back during the promo code segment. The app is called OneTrack, and it allows me to utilize the songs on my iPhone in a way that the iPhone doesn't normally allow you to use them. Generally playing a playlist, it will just continue playing unless you hit pause and restart. But with the OneTrack app, I can set it up ahead of time, and it will play the song at the volume I would like it to play, as well as stop at the end of a song or continue playing a number of songs and then stop after one until I continue it on my own. As a performer, it really helps me while on stage because I paired it with a Bluetooth receiver and I can carry my phone in my pocket or on an armband and work the music right from the stage without having to worry about having a sound person waiting in the back or dealing with it by running off and on stage to stop a CD player or press the pause button on the iPhone. The reason it saved me $1,500 is I was just about to purchase a device that would do just that on its own and a remote switch in my hand. It basically comes with a computer that is run by the remote switch, but since my phone works as the computer, the OneTrack app really just takes over for the remote itself and makes everything work. Sean, the developer, has been really great in listening to the feedback that I've had and has put me on the beta team so I can use the app's features and test out some things as we go. And he's really coming along with some great features in the newest update that should be coming out pretty soon. Thanks for a great show and for saving me over $1,500. Hi, Rob. This is Linda from New York. I agree with William. Um, who said, what iOS is missing? What I would really like to see Apple do is create an undo for the Notes, the Apple Notes app, and also for Notes in the phone app. I've been dismayed several times when I've um, tried to hold something to do a, a delete, and instead it replaces or, or deletes the whole thing. So that's my suggestion. Thanks so much for your show. Keep it up. Bye-bye. Hi, Linda. Per your request for an undo in the notes section, I want you to do this. Open up your iOS device, your iPhone, and go into the notes section, and then type in, this is a test. Now hold your iPhone firm, very firm, and shake it. What do you see? Ooh, it asked you if you want to undo. It's actually already built into iOS. So... The shake to undo, I think, was actually added in iOS 4.x. Actually, the shake to undo works with most apps on your iPhone. So if you are typing on your iPhone and you make a mistake in the email program, Safari, wherever, just shake to undo, and you'll see uh, you get a little pop-up asking you if you want to undo the typing. Hey, Rob. My name is Jesse, calling from Southern California. Um, wanted to recommend an app to one of your listeners in episode 205. Somebody was calling regarding a um, something where he could put his phone on silent for a specific period of time. He was getting calls late at night, um, and he also was thinking about using it in class. So I wanted to recommend uh, getting a Google Voice account and using the Google Voice app Um there's an option in there uh, where you can just toggle on and off a Do Not Disturb from the Google Voice app itself. 
you can also go into it from your computer, and I think that there's a way of setting it up so that it would just be a recurring thing where you could set it every single day during specific time periods. It would just go on automatically, do not disturb. And there's also a lot of other reasons I really like having a Google Voice account. I've been using it, as I said, for a few months now, and a while back I actually lost my phone, and because I was able to get to it from any computer where I had an internet log on, I could, I was still receiving all my text messages, could still see who was calling me, um, could still respond to everybody. The other cool thing about Google Voice in general is that it will, when somebody leaves you a message, it transcribes it. It doesn't do it perfectly, but it does give you a pretty good idea of who's calling and what they're calling about, and uh, if they want you to call them back and they leave a number and does a pretty good job of, of uh, duplicating those numbers, and you actually just click on them, and it will call directly uh, from your phone. The only thing about it that has was a bit of a pain was I wanted to use the same phone number that I had had originally. Um, I'd been using the same phone number since I was 15, so didn't want to change it, and um, I had to transfer my phone number from AT&T, which then canceled my plan, and then I needed to get a new phone number, because it doesn't integrate directly with your phone, so you have, you end up having two phone numbers. It hasn't been too much of a problem for me, it has been a little bit of a pain, but when I got the iPhone 4S, and, and I got, uh, data plan, and, and I actually just decided not to get text messaging, and have been having everything go to my Google Voice account, and just not texting people directly from my phone, so not, you know, people don't see my phone number anymore, they don't know what my actual phone number is, they only see my Google Voice accounts because I call directly from there and text directly from there. Anyway, I definitely recommend it for a lot of different reasons and just wanted to pass it along. Jesse, thanks for the recommendation and feedback. You mentioned there in Google Voice sometimes the transcription doesn't go quite right. Uh, one time I was testing out an app uh, for Elsie, for Elsie's Yoga Kula podcast, and I called into her call-in number and left her a message, and I said, Hi, Elsie, this is Rob. Just testing your app to make sure this is where everything should go. What came back to Elsie was not quite the same. What came back was, Yeah, I'll see you. This is Rob. Just testing your ASS, making sure this is where everything should go. Slightly different message. Elsie, who's doing a spit take right now, called up laughing and said, I have to send you this message, and she sent it to me. So it was pretty funny. Last week, I mentioned the iBooks author app, and I said I had a couple of iBooks I was going to write. And I decided Sunday when I was watching the Giants beat the 49ers, uh, during the game I was going to see how that app worked, and I was going to work on the laptop and do that. I was able to, in the game, the period of the game, including the overtime, uh, knock out the forward and three chapters, get them all completed, and actually was able to get 11 chapters of the iBook done in three days uh, at night, Work just working at night, um, well, Sunday and then I guess Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, and get it submitted into iTunes. So overall, it's about a 75-page uh, book, uh, iBook textbook. And it's not approved yet, but it's in there. And I contacted the guys I know that run iBooks over at Apple, and hopefully it'll be approved soon. Maybe by the next uh, show, I'll be able to mention it. But I'll tell you, the app worked really well. It was kind of neat doing it. I, I learned some tricks. Uh, one of the things I learned from the guys from iBooks is if you want to have audio play, 
you have to have the audio as an M4A file. So if you're going to do an iBook and you want to have audio play in there, you have to convert the audio to M4A and then you just drag it into where you want to have it play and it creates a player. So again, audio M4A, it's not something I found anywhere, but the guys over at Apple were kind enough to let me know about that. One piece of news late Thursday night that came out was uh, All Things D had a post where they broke down the iPhone sales last quarter. So the 37.04 million iPhones, 89% of them were the iPhone 4S, 7% were the iPhone 4, and 4% were the iPhone 3GS. They got these numbers from a survey over at Consumer Intelligence Research Partners, CAIRP. So an interesting uh, chart to see that 89% of that 37 million were the iPhone 4S. So remember, anytime you see a post referencing the next iPhone as the iPhone 5, give it the credence and the due respect it deserves, which is none. Hi, Rob. This is Larry in Chicago again, calling about how I jailbreak with the absence for my iPhone 4S. I'm using PDA Net to tether my iPad 1 to my 4S. I notice now a little symbol that comes up on my iPad. It used to be the normal Wi-Fi symbol. Now it looks like two rings interlocked. I'm wondering, is that something different? Does that mean that it's showing that my iPad is tethered to my phone? Does that mean that AT&T could tell now that my iPad is tethered to my phone? I'm using the hide feature of level one on PDA Net. Um, I'm just curious. I've never seen that before, where it's like two interlocking rings. Thanks for all you do. Bye. Larry, thanks for the feedback. I did some research on that, and I could not find you an answer. So I'm going to throw that one out to the audience. If anyone knows what the two little interlocking ring symbols mean on PDA Net, please let us know. As per PDA Net, you may want to watch out. I got an email sent to me or forwarded to me from one of the listeners who was using PDA Net with privacy turned on or the first level like you have it set. And unfortunately, AT&T sent them the letter saying they know that what they were doing and needed to switch over to a tethering plan. Hi, Rob. It's January 26th. I am running the latest version on both of, of iOS 5 on both my iPhone 4S and my iPad 2. Here's the scenario. On my iPhone, I hit just go to rant, just go to usual search swiping all the way to the, to the right and have the search bar, I type in a contact name. I find the contact and I touch it and it takes me directly to that contact entry in the contact book. However, I do the exact same process on my iPad 2 and it takes me to the address book, or what I just call the contact book, and it just takes me to the last place I was at in the address book. It's uh, Obviously, that's a suboptimal Thing. I'm wondering if other users have this problem. If so, how can it be fixed? Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the question. And this sounds to me like a bug in the iOS on the iPad side. If anyone knows a solution or a way so that when you you know swipe to the right so that you're in the search screen on your, your device and you start typing in a contact and you tap on that contact... Uh, on the iPad to get it to go right and open up that contact rather than the last place you were in the contact app. Let us know. Um, is there a setting that's not set right? Uh, let us know. And the best way to send your feedback, as always, is give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record it on your iOS device and email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. 
And those contact methods also hold true if you have any tips, tricks, questions, app reviews, gadget reviews, or anything else you want to share with the audience. Please send them in. Love to get your feedback for the show. A quick thanks once again to today's sponsor, and that's Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can save 10% on your domain name registrations and transfers. And that is going to go ahead and wrap it up for us this time. Don't forget about the TI app. If you haven't gotten the TI app yet, search for TII in the App Store. Just $2.99. That gets you push notifications and easy access to all the TII back episodes. Again, TII in the App Store. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, for Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. The show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. 